Let's turn together uh, to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Um, really, what a, I mean, what a perfect, perfect song to transition us into uh, what we're going to talk about um, as we kind of move from, from Lent and into the, we're in the Easter season now, if you were to, if you were to follow the church calendar really strictly, uh, the next several weeks would be considered Easter, and uh, we're going to kind of stay in that in that resurrection theme a little bit. Uh, and we're going to talk, uh, I say we, I'm going to do the talking, but it'll be, a, I always, always fall in that trap. Uh, I'm going to talk and uh, about the ascension of Jesus for the next couple weeks. That'll be kind of our collective uh like theme, kind of a series, a little bit because it's it's one of those things where we we give so much attention to the cross and Holy Week and the resurrection and um, and then it's very easy to then like jump into the next kind of sermon series and that's part of the wisdom of the church calendar is they they have us sitting in these themes for for weeks ahead of time and then for weeks afterwards as well. And so in keeping with that theme of resurrection, you know, the ascension of Jesus is one of those, it's one of those things that we, like we kind of know happened and it's like kind of a, it's kind of mysterious, you know, and it seems kind of like a transitionary moment, but really there are, there are some pretty intense like theological implications and uh, there's just a lot more to the ascension than maybe um, maybe a lot of us grew up thinking about and learning. And really, the ascension of Jesus has uh, has so much for us. It's just very rich. And so, uh, if you would, we're going to be in Luke 24. We're going to hop around a little bit today. Um, but let's let's read the, the account. So Jesus has, he has risen from the dead. He has been around for around like 40 more days. He's been doing teaching at various points. He reinstates Peter. Uh, there are times he's around. There's times he's not around. He's you know, kind of helping the disciples piece it together a little bit. And then this is the, the end of Luke's gospel, starting in verse 44. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Angels are like, look, he's, he's gone into heaven, and he's going to come back one day in, in the same way. But you, you need to get on with what he's told you to get on with. And we'll get to that in a couple weeks. Um, so really, so what are, what are we talking about, first of all? With, because uh, heaven has a, a few different ideas in, in the Bible. There are some places where heaven is, is referred to as as the like the cosmos, you know, the sky. So you think an ancient society looking up into, and they see the moon, they see the stars, they see. So, and sometimes they talk about heaven in, in that regard. So, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Uh, so sometimes heaven means literally the like what we would call the universe, the outer, like outer space, that kind of thing, or just the sky in general. Sometimes heaven refers to God. 
And so the prodigal son story, he, he comes to his father and he says, I've, I've, sinned, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And so sometimes heaven is taken to mean God himself. Matthew talks about the, the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing as the kingdom of God. So sometimes heaven and God are interchangeable. And then there's kind of a third sense uh, where, where we talk about heaven being God's dwelling place. Like where this is where this is God's realm. And that's that's really the like where I want to focus uh, us in on today. So so when Jesus went when he ascended into heaven, which one is it? Did he go into the did he go into the universe? Did he go somehow into God in some sort of mystical, you know, evaporation kind of thing? Or did he go into that that third one where we're talking about this is this is God's dwelling place and where God exists? Um, the best way to answer that question is to let is to look at what the scriptures tell us. Um, so Jesus himself, and I'm going to r- roll through a couple of verses really quickly. You don't need to turn to him. Um, in John chapter 20, after the resurrection, verse 17, Jesus said, it says, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So in Jesus' own words, he's telling us that when he ascends, he's not going off into outer space somewhere. Uh, there's not some like secret compartment of heaven out there that we haven't found with a telescope yet. He's not saying that he's just going to go evaporate. He's, he's saying, I'm going to be with the Father. That's what he kept telling them, that, that where the Father is and where I am, you may be also. So he's talking about the, a literal place that he's going. And this is how the New Testament writers and the apostles would have understood it. Uh, here's First Peter three twenty two. It says that Jesus, uh, who has gone into into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. So Jesus is at the right hand of God. Uh, this is Hebrews twelve two. So we should look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, Hebrews nine twenty four, Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So the understanding in the New Testament from Jesus himself and from the apostles would be that when Jesus ascended, that was the plan the whole time, that he would, he would go up into the air out of their sight, that he was going into uh, the like into God's dwelling place, which is known which is known as heaven. So we're talking about an actual place. We're not talking about a state of being. We're not talking about something mystical and, and mysterious. Uh, Jesus says, "I'm going to prepare a place for you." The Book of Revelation talks in tangible terms all, all the time. So here's here's probably the best way. I, I think if I was to try to sum up in my like very pathetic ability to sum up this concept. Uh, if, if heaven is God's space, then earth is our space. There, 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 are, there are these two realms uh, of existence. Um, so in, in God's space in heaven, um, his presence and his glory are, they're fully known and fully experienced. Um, there, there, there is no mystery to that. There's a fullness uh, about that experience where God is, there is fullness of joy, um, and heaven. According to what, the, like the understanding in, like in the scriptures, when we read when they talked about heaven, um, heaven was not a far away place either. 
sometimes we we have we can kind of get caught up in this this idea that heaven is is somewhere that we like fly away to you know and that it's uh it's it's way up up there and um it's like very distant you know it feels very far away and that kind of stuff but to to the jewish community and to into jesus who this was his mindset as well heaven heaven is not far away from the earth um, there, there is a, there is a veil between heaven and earth, but it doesn't mean that they're that they're far apart from one another. So heaven is God's space where His presence is and, and glory are fully experienced. Earth is our place where we deal in like brokenness and rebellion, and so there's a veil that's between those those two realms. They uh, they're not far apart, but from our perspective, they feel really far apart. And there are times when, when you maybe have, have felt that, that heaven could not have been farther away. Um, I've been a couple of times, and I think I've, you probably heard me talk about this, but I've uh, been in, there, there's a place in India, in, in Calcutta, if you go down to this one part of the town, and you have the, uh, you have the, the red light district, you have the, uh, one of the oldest Hindu temples in Southeast Asia called Kali Temple. Um, they're they're all right next to each other, and you go into this area, and it's it's filled with with so many forms of brokenness that you can you can like you can physically feel the weight, you know, like you can feel the spirit being grieved by the brokenness that you see. And um, there's a, a temple where they're sacrificing animals, and they're praying to these statues, and they're drinking from this polluted river because they think it'll make them uh, like full of life and uh, it's it, it's so incredibly heartbreaking, and it's one it's one of the places I've been where I, I really felt like like heaven couldn't be farther away from here. And but you have those those two areas that are you know within a block of each other, and then positioned in there as well is Mother Teresa's home for the dying, and. Uh, to walk through all of that, and then we wound up in Mother Teresa's home, and they welcomed us, and we went inside. And um, you go into this uh, this clean, peaceful place where all these people are there, and the whole the whole point, the whole reason that that the nuns started this place was to let people die with dignity instead of dying on the streets and in the slums. Say, so bring them in here. We'll care for them. We'll love them. They won't die alone. And you, so you go from feeling like heaven can't be farther away, and then you walk in and you feel like you've stepped into heaven itself. And it's this really strange dichotomy, just right, right all within each other. Um, it's hard for us to realize how near heaven is, because we we tend to think with a with a, a mindset that's been shaped by a lot of Western thinking. But if we were to think the way that Jesus and his disciples thought. There would would be this understanding that the heaven and earth. Uh, if I were to um, let me let me let me use my hands as a visual. Uh, if 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 this is if if one of the if there's heaven and there's earth, there's these two realms. We tend to think that they're very far apart. Um, in Jesus' day, they would have thought that not only are they very close to each other, but they actually like overlap and they interlock with each other in this way. That there are places where there, there's an overlap between between heaven and earth, and uh, it started off that was the that was the temple, 
that was the you, you had the the ark of the covenant you had the tabernacle and then they built the temple and and that was the that was where the where heaven and earth overlapped and, and intersected in this way it's where they where they held hands so to speak uh, where God and humanity were in in one and first it's in the temple and then Jesus comes along and Jesus becomes the new temple and so Jesus is the place where this happens where heaven and earth overlap and intersect and now Jesus has ascended and he sent the Holy Spirit and so now now guess who guess who the where the intersection is it's you it's me the you know Paul says that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We we are where heaven and earth interlock and over like and inter, intersect like this. And so heaven and earth are not far apart. They actually are doing this. But there's a the, there's like a veil. Like we we can't see that. We can't really sense that. And so we have to let God show us and teach us and, and help us re, like live in this kind of connect, interconnected reality. Um, that's what Jesus had in mind. That's why. That's why Jesus says, "Our Father in in heaven, hallowed be your name." He's not saying our Father in heaven, who's way up there. He's saying our Father in heaven, who's like we're interconnected with in this way. And so, when Jesus speaks of heaven, and we're talking about ascending in, into heaven, and and Jesus being in heaven, all these kind of things fit together. Um, we're talking about we're talking about this intersection that that, that has happened. Where the veil between those two becomes very thin, and so to me, when I, when I walk from Kali Temple in Cal- Calcutta and I walk into Mother Teresa's home for the dying, I go from feeling like the veil could not be any thicker to feeling like the, the veil could not be any any more thin, because in that place this is happening. And so for you and I, that's the like that's we have to think about that. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, he 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 goes from living bodily in like on earth in our realm and being the overlap there. He goes from living bodily here on earth to living bodily in God's space. To living bodily in heaven. So he he is still there. Uh he is he is a human. He is in a restored body, but he still has his scars. Which I think is a really fascinating thing to think about. Why would Jesus still have the scars? Um, he still has the scars because he wants the scars. Why does he want them? You should ask him. Um, so all, with all that kind of stuff in mind, we have to, to think about this, that there's Jesus is in heaven. That's the big, that, that's the big idea for, for today. Jesus, when he ascended, where is he? Jesus is in heaven. He is in God's space. He is uh, at the right hand of the Father. He is healed. He is restored. He is seated. He is in fullness. That's where he is. Um, he has given us his spirit, which allows us to be the, the new temple, to be the overlap between heaven and earth. Um, and so because he has ascended, that like there are certain things that this means for us. <clears throat> Jesus could have, he could have just like said, well, I, I got to go. Uh, I'll see y'all later and like walk around the corner and then they would have been like, Hey, you know, they'd like followed him around. Like he had, he had to go away. He had to go up. He had to go into where they would have thought like God, you know, because God is higher, all that kind of stuff. He had to go away. And that's something I'll talk about in a few weeks is why did he, why did he leave us here? If, if the cross was completed, why didn't he just be like, all right, let's, let's go. Why would he have to ascend? Why the Holy Spirit? Why did all that stuff have to be the way that it is? 
We'll get to all that. But for today, let's let's just let's land on this fact that Jesus is in heaven. And what does that what does that mean for us? Um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you three because uh, no matter how much I try, I can't get away from threes. Um, I'll give you three. There are certainly more. Um, here's here's three for us to think about this morning. Three three ways that this directly applies to our lives. Here's the first one. <clears throat> the first one is that I am I am forgiven. I'm going to put them in I statements, but you put them in you say I as well. Okay, so I I am forgiven, and the ascension of Jesus proves that. Here's here's what I mean. Jesus being welcomed into heaven is further proof that that my sins really have been forgiven. Like for, further proof that when when Jesus said it is finished, it really was finished. Um, in First Corinthians fifteen verse seventeen, Paul is trying. The, the church in Corinth they really struggle with this bodily resurrection thing, which makes sense. And he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So if if Jesus just if he just died. And God did not raise him from the dead. Then everything that we believe, all all our faith, we just we throw it all out the window. It all hinges on the resurrection. Um, but Christ is raised. Like that's a that's a like a factual thing. Um, and there's so there's so much evidence and proof uh, for the like physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. And so uh, he says, if Christ is not raised, you're still in your sins. So you flip it around where he is raised. Therefore. I am not in my sins. And so we can kind of sit in that reality sometimes. But in Hebrews 12, which I read a minute ago, let me read it again. Start, I'll start in verse 1 this time. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The fact that Jesus is, he's in heaven, but he's not, he's not walking around, he's not pacing. He's seated. He has, he's sat down. And you, you read, read all the biblical commentators and they'll get into the symbolism of all that, uh, of, of why being seated is so significant. Here's what it boils down to. He's seated because it really is finished. Like his work that he came to do has been completed. When you sit, when, when, when uh, someone in authority sits down, they're not working anymore. You know, there's no more laboring to be done. They are seated. Um, there is an authority that's there. So not only does the ascension remind us that Jesus has been resurrected, the fact that he ascended into heaven and sat down like, is further proof to us that we are not sitting around as unforgiven uh, sinners, that we are sitting around as forgiven saints. Now, we are still trying to figure out how to act like saints, you know, that we're, we're in recovery, we're... we're uh, we were addicted to sin, addicted to self, and we're in recovery, learning how to learning how to not live as sinners, but to live as saints. But the fact that Jesus is seated, that He ascended into heaven and sat down, is of incredible significance. And so, if there's a part of you that struggles with really feeling like, like, with, I hate to use the word feeling because we emphasize that so much in our world, but but we sometimes we we struggle to feel like we're forgiven. 
because we we kind of like it's like we want to pay for what we've done. We we feel obligated somehow. It seems very unjust, and 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 there's so much there's so much psychology to that. It's really kind of interesting. But we love the control factor of that, and and see, grace comes in. Grace comes in and says, um, it really doesn't matter what you do. Uh, you are you're forgiven. It doesn't matter if you feel forgiven. You are forgiven. And the longer we walk with the Lord, the longer we, we kind of come to an understanding of what that means. And so the ascension, in part, uh, a part of why it's so awesome is it, it reminds us the reason why Jesus was like, hey, I'm, I'm good. I, I did what I came here to do. When I said it was finished, I meant it. When the Father raised me from the dead, that's his seal of approval. So now I'm going to go be seated at his right hand, and we're going to get on with this next stage of the, of the plan. Uh, so that's the first thing. It reminds me that I am forgiven. And I hope it's a reminder to you that you are forgiven also. Um, here's the second thing. Uh, because of the ascension, I, I know my future. That might seem a little strange. But I, I, I know even, even more firmly what my future looks like. Jesus talks so much about, about um, going to prepare a place for us that where he is, we, we may be also. And he talks in all these kinds of terms, but now, now we get a glimpse into what that looks like. That when Jesus says that he is the way, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that he's, he has not only proven that he's the way, he's paved the way, and he's foreshadowing our future as well. So if, if you are in Christ, you're going to follow the same trajectory that Jesus is on. When, when, when you and Christ become one, then his, his pathway becomes your pathway and my pathway. And so uh, we're going to do the same like it. As him. We're going to live bodily until we die. And we're going to be raised with a new body and live in fullness with God and rule over creation with him forever. That's, that, that's what our future looks like. Um, so we, whenever we watch what happens with him, if it ha- what happened to him will happen to you, will happen to me. And so we're able to see this, that there he is, like bodily resurrected with the Father, ruling over creation for eternity. His timeline's different than yours and mine. But the, the same stages that he has gone through, we will go through. Uh, Jesus is the, he's the first that we see of, of this new creation. When, he, when Jesus says, I'm coming to make all things new, he's the, he's the first part of that. So now we know what new creation looks like. Um, it says in First Corinthians fifteen twenty, um, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. When they use that term first fruits, what they what they mean is like when you when they would plant a crop, and they would go out and they would like the first fruits of that crop. Whenever it was time to bring in the harvest, um, the first fruits are what went to the Lord. That was the tithe. Um, but also the first fruits would tell you what the rest of the crop is going to be like. That's how you would know, is this going to be a good year or a bad year? Or, or you knew how fruitful things were going to be by the first, the first bit of the harvest that you brought in. That's what told you what the rest of it was going to look like. And so Paul is trying to help them understand Jesus is the first, he's the first fruits of this new creation. And when you look at him, you're able to see what all the rest of it is going to look like. And that's a pretty incredible Pretty incredible thought um, that he's the he's the well, I've heard him, him called the prototype of the new creation. Like he's he when we look at him, we're able to see into our future. 
which is really, really very, it's very life-giving and very hopeful whenever you start to look around our world and you see so much brokenness. And if we can remember the ascended Jesus seated, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father and we're able to say, that's, that's our trajectory right there. We might, we're going to have to go through some hard times before we're there, but that is the, like, he's the first fruits of, of that. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, again, a lot in 1 Corinthians, um, he tells him this. He says, The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. That's Jesus. As was the man of dust, so also those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have, been, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. He's essentially, he's saying, you know, you're, we're, we're born in this line of Adam, but Jesus has come and he's the new, he's the new Adam. He's the new human. He's the new prototype. Um, just, but just as we were born in Adam's image to an extent, we're going to be in his image as well. And so the ascension gives us like a kind of a, like a, an image that we can really use to think about our future in a way that is very tangible and very, uh, it's really Quite fascinating, and, it, and it's showing us that it's like reminds us that we are created for more than this. Like this is not all that there is. If we will look to Jesus as the as as the first fruits of the new creation, we're reminded uh, of we're reminded of, we're reminded of the thing that we always have we're always hoping is true. We're always hoping that this is not it. You know, we're always hoping that that there's that there's more to life that there's something beyond this uh, that this is not like. It and the ascended Jesus reminds us that yes, there is, there is more. God has more for you. You were not created for this brokenness. You were created to live forever and to do so with Him. And He has proven that He is the way, the truth, the life. And so the ascended Jesus reminds us of our forgiveness, helps us to see what our what our future looks like. And here's the third one. It reminds me that I'm not forgotten. Reminds him that I'm not forgotten. If if heaven is near, then that means that Jesus is near. See, if heaven is this way far away thing off in the universe, somewhere else, then God feels really distant. And sometimes God feels close to you, but when, when things get weird, you know, things get hard, it's very easy to feel like God is far away. Um, when Jesus was on the earth... He he's just one place at a time, you know. Like Jesus, we read all these accounts of of them traveling and all that stuff. He was there's just one GPS point on the map where he was at all times. But now, now that he has ascended into heaven, um, he is no longer in one place at one time. Now he is where heaven is, and if heaven is near, then that means that Jesus is near. And if Jesus is near, it means that I'm not forgotten about. It means that that he hasn't uh, he hasn't gotten bored with me. He hasn't he's not off distracted somewhere else. He's not too busy to tend to to me. He's he's not clueless about what's going on with me. That he is present with me. So when Jesus when Jesus tells us to pray and he says uh, he says our Father in heaven. He's not saying our Father who's way off, far away. He's saying our, our Father who is closer, closer than we can even imagine. Some would even say close as our very breath 
But that's how close heaven is to us. But because of the veil, we can't really we can't really see it. So he says, "Our Father in heaven," and he doesn't mean far away. And here's how I know that because right before that, uh, he says, "When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father." He says your Father is as close to you as if you were going to a room and you're in the same room with Him. That's how close heaven is. That's how I know heaven isn't way far away. Heaven is as close as in this very room. And so for you and I, wherever you are right now, God is 100% fully in that place where you are. Just like He is where we are today. He's just as present in the room with you as He is in heaven. The veil keeps us from seeing that fullness sometimes. This is something that we, we have to, to know, we have to believe, we have to, to let the Lord show us and be our encourager and our comforter in that and to help make the veil thin to where we realize just how near He is. And when we realize just how near He is, you realize that you are not forgotten. That He is with you and He is involved in what is going on. And that, and that changes everything about how we make decisions and how we conduct ourselves and, and where, like, how we go from hopelessness to being full of hope in, in, in an instant. There's so much, so much about this that the ascended, seated Jesus uh, reminds us that, hey, you're, you're not forgotten. You might feel forgotten. Circumstances might be hard. It may be hard to interpret, but one of the interpretations can never be that God has forgotten about you. Because heaven is closer than you realize. And so Jesus has, has, has made all of these things real and tangible for us. So the ascended, seated Jesus, uh, further proof that your sins are forgiven. More evidence that your future is secure and what that's going to look like. And as we navigate this, this hard time we're going through and every other hard time that we'll ever deal with, to know that we are not forgotten is, is one of the most important things that we can, can remember, that, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Uh, who, who tends to feel forgotten about? The brokenhearted. And so God gave us a verse to remind us of this. So Jesus' ascension has, has a lot more to do with the fact that well, I, need to do, I need to go up here so that the Spirit can come and we can do this other thing. It fits into our lives in some really practical ways. And so I hope that this morning you've been able to maybe, maybe think a little bit differently about some of it, maybe some new ideas, but, even, but mainly just to be encouraged by the fact that uh, your sins are taken care of and your future is secure and God is with you, like he's literally with you all the time. So I hope that this has been a blessing to you this this morning. We'll we'll continue through to talk about more implications of the ascension in, an, in an, another few weeks, but um, what I just want to do I just want to pray and I want us to sing a, a little bit this morning as we just worship. I mean what a what a good what a good and incredible God who would do this for us. Who would um, who would give us these these kinds of, this kind of imagery and these sorts of, of guarantees so we we could walk as secure saints and we could do so together? So let me pray and then we'll sing a little bit and we'll be done. Father God, how how amazing! And I know this is just these are just a few of the of the implications of the ascension and we'll get to more later on but just these three are incredible so I'm so thankful for 
for this this imagery that at first seems like a strange story that you just kind of float off into the sky. But you helped us to pack information around that. You've given insight to your saints to be able to understand more about what this means to us. And Jesus, I'm so I'm so happy for you that the 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 pain and the grief that you experienced your whole life on this earth, especially on that Friday, that you have been rewarded in such an amazing way. That you are there seated at the right hand of the Father. That at your name every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. And we want we want to be a part of that today. Not just because of the the things that we get because you're generous. We just want to be a part of a part of that praise and a part of that honoring of you as our resurrected lamb 